The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Rotor Rotor Football Podcast. As you know, it is the most important podcast in the universe. I am Josh Norris. Here with Roto Pat later on to pick on his rankings. Coming up in a moment, talking with Evan Silva about the matchups columns. A few notes you can check out yesterday's podcast with Ray, Rich, and Nick. It's good until Sunday, obviously. And then also on Sunday, noon Eastern, Roto World Live, we will do our best for 45 minutes to help you set your optimal lineup. Plenty of start set questions, so tune in. Facebook.com slash Roto World. I am joined now by Evan Silva, who wants you to know Owen, Oliver, Oscar, Omar, Otis, Orlando, Odin, and Oz to subscribe to this very podcast because Evan Silva is about to spit some fire. And let's start off with Matthew Stafford. You're calling it the lock of the week is what you said right before I hit the record button. Yeah, I mean, that's strong. There's never really a lock. He he has a a strong probability. You know, he's in a great spot. The, the Browns, I know everybody just craps all over them and thinks that they're the worst team ever, but they actually have put together a really solid defensive front, uh, and right now they have the best run defense in football, uh, holding opposing running backs at 2.91 yards per carry, only three rushing touchdowns allowed in uh, nine games. Uh, so, and that's not, you know, people will look sometimes at rushing uh, numbers allowed and be like, oh, well, they're a bad team. No one runs on them. Uh, actually, uh, teams run more on teams that are bad. And these are efficiency st- statistics. They're not volume statistics. The Browns have a legitimately great run defense. Mm-hmm. And if, if you have known that over the course of the season, you have been at an advantage. And also the, the Lions are a, a pass funnel offense anyways. I mean, they can't run the ball. They have their bottom three in uh, football outsiders, uh, adjusted line yards. You watch him play. I mean, Amir Abdullah does things that are flashy at times, but his production is poor consistently. I mean, he's a guy that hasn't totaled 60 yards from scrimmage since week four. We are in week 10 at this yeah. point. Uh, Amir Abdullah has also fumbled twice, uh, or he fumbled twice in last week's win over Green Bay, lost one of them. And, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if he starts to get to, to be on a short lease because he's been so ineffective. Uh, I think that the, the greater question here is who do we stack uh, right. Matthew Stafford with in daily fantasy? I know that on FanDuel, Marvin Jones, who has been on a tear, 
is uh, significantly cheaper than Golden Tate. But mm-hmm. I think that Golden Tate has a superior Week 10 matchup. And uh, right now I, I'm, I'm on the, the Golden Golden Tate side of this, even though Marvin Jones is much cheaper. And I don't want to derail this Matthew Stafford conversation to an Amir Abdullah conversation. But, man, what a disappointment he's been in. And, and I mean, you can kind of date it back to his one preseason carry that went for a long game and everyone getting excited. But to me, it goes back to college as well, when he right. was a fumbler in college as well. Yep. And now he's showing that once again. And it's just this running game is non-existent. And even when they are in possible scenarios, like Dwayne Washington might get a carry, Zach Zinner might get a carry, and obviously Theoretic is, is playing more and more, it seems like, or getting more and more options. Um, well, Amir Abdullah has, uh, like, small hands. Yeah. So I think that fumbling may be a problem for him throughout his career, number one. Number two, you know, the Cardinals nailed it with David Johnson, but if you've paid attention to the NFL, yep. you knew you know that they wanted Amir Abdullah uh, in the second round. Had him on the phone. Settling, quote-unquote, settling for David Johnson in the third uh, so, you know, the, the NFL draft is a particularly imperfect process uh, and, you know, results oriented takes on the draft are usually just a, a bunch of hindsight garbage that doesn't really help anyone. Uh, you know, anybody can sit back and look at the NFL draft and and pick and choose and say, oh, that team's an idiot for right. for taking, you know, for not taking that guy or, or not, you know, taking this guy over that guy. That's not really how stuff works. It's all based on like probability and trying to make the best decisions. Yep. And uh, you know the the Lions, I'm sure, thought that they mess, made the best decision with Amir Abdullah, but David Johnson has proven to be a far significant or a far superior uh, NFL player. Yeah, and you don't have to look any further than the the Cowboys, who obviously had two choices at quarterback they wanted ahead of Dak. Uh, okay, let's go to one of our favorite players, Evan from last year. At least I'm a big fan, Bilal Powell. Um, you know, this at times has been a three-person backfield. Matt Forte had his season high in touches last week and then just shows up to practice with a swollen knee and hasn't practiced for two days. So I'm guessing this is the Bilal Powell show. Yes, and I think it's also worth noting that there's been a lot of action on the over in this game. Uh, I think it's a potential bad team shootout. Now, I don't want to diminish what the Jets have done this year. They are a mediocre team, and I think that that's very impressive considering the hand that they were dealt. Um, so it's not two bad teams. It's really just one bad team. Uh, but I think that this game has uh, some higher scoring potential. And Bilal Powell, as we know, not only is, has he been super efficient in his running game opportunities, but he's also very good in the passing game. Um And Tampa Bay has given up the 11th most receiving yards to running backs on the season. Uh, Additionally, they have given up 4.7 yards per carry to running backs over their last five games uh, with six rushing touchdowns allowed to running backs during that five-game stretch. So, I mean, we're talking about a defense that is getting hurt in a variety of ways uh, by running backs, and if you go back and look at how the the, care, the touch distribution uh, was spread out by OC John Morton, who, by the way, I think has a chance uh, to be a sleeper head coaching candidate uh, during the 2018 uh, head coaching process. I think a lot of coaches might get fired uh, at the end of the season. By the way, Josh, um, but if you look at how the touches were distributed. Uh, it was slanted toward Powell. I mean, Powell is going to be the feature back 
and Elijah McGuire, who I think is a sneaky flex play. I think he's going to be used yeah. as uh, the change of pace back uh, and potentially the you know the, the 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 running back who gets the touches late in the game as he was last week. Uh, but Bilal Powell, I mean, he he's in position to get like 25 touches against a bad defense, mm-hmm. and that's going to make him like a lock button play in daily fantasy this week at his price. He's 4K on DraftKings and he's 6K on FanDuel. Uh, I know Derek Klassen uh, has written about John Morton's – it's John Morton, right, the offensive coordinator? Yes, um, yeah, his, his old offense, Saints wide receivers coach. Yeah, and, and how it's kind of like air raid type situations but under center. And then some guy named Charles McDonald wrote about it as well. So check out that stuff if you want to. Um, all right, let's go to A.J. Green. A.J. Green is facing the Tennessee Titans who have given up a ton of points to top wide receivers. As we know, A.J. Green was thrown out of last week's game – after Jalen Ramsey just infiltrated his brain. Is this a not a squeaky wheel situation because it's not like, you know, anything except himself kept him out of scoring points. But are you on AJ Green this week as a bounce back candidate? I don't know. AJ Green's soft. Haven't you heard? <laughs> yeah, Evan and I had like a long discussion about this. Um I'm just amazed that he's twenty nine years old. Like to me that's crazy. It feels like not that he just got in the league, but twenty six, twenty seven makes more sense. I remember before that 2000, I think it was a 2011 draft, and there was a lot of debate about him and Julio, um, who the Panthers should take at one. Yeah, and it was uh, a lot. Of, I mean, again, going back to how imperfect the draft process is, it was incredible how many people thought that Cam Newton was going to be a bust. It was also incredible how many people thought that Blaine Gabbert should go number one overall in that draft. My opinion at the time was that A.J. Green should go number one overall in that draft. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the Panthers wound up making the right decision. Can, even can I though, jump even in Even though here? Cam has been – yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. that was my senior year of college. Yeah. And that's actually when I was in the Rams war room, Evan. And Evan knows that because he and I, like, had started to communicate at that time. I think we just shared opinions via Twitter. Obviously, Evan had followers, and I was just some college kid. Um, and I think I like tweeted you some secrets about the war room, like the draft board and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever told anyone that, but I just did. Um, and That's when I put you on, Josh. Yes, there we go. That's why I'm in this position right now. Um, and before I, – I think I've told this story. Before we walked in to the war room, because that was the first day the draft was – the first year the draft was three days. Uh, either the Rams quarterbacks coach or someone – said that he was would have taken Blaine Gabbert as a first quarterback because of Cam's poor appearance on Gruden's quarterback camp. And so if that tells you anything and everything that you need to know about the thought process of some of these NFL coaches, I think that's a pretty good example. Now, to be fair, obviously they had taken Sam Bradford recently. They didn't evaluate the quarterbacks at all, but just that they cared about that so much to me is is extremely telling yeah so i hope that people that listeners like appreciate our football conversations you know because i i love to have them with you josh you know i always try to keep you extra time uh before the before we do these podcasts and sometimes after uh just to pick your brain uh but anyways let's move on with our our the the reason that we're doing this podcast (laughs) aj green monster bounce back week uh, so he's always been a guy that 
when he has slow weeks, he is always a great bet to bounce back the following week. And people will come up with a lot of reasons to doubt him. You know, oh, Andy Dalton's his quarterback. He's He's been an inconsistent fantasy producer, no, no doubt, throughout his career. One thing we've always been able to hang our hat on with A.J. Green are his road splits, which, which, which seems kind of silly. But in his career, and I mean, we're talking like a seven, eight year career at this point, he averages 94.1 yards per game on the road and only 70 yards per game at home. I mean, that's almost three fantasy points per game uh, difference. And that will elevate you from, you know, the wide receiver 18 on the week to the wide receiver 11 on the week. I mean, it's that big of a gap. Mm -hmm. And then we look at the matchup. uh, The Titans are very much a pass funnel. Uh, they've played very good run defense this year. They don't have anybody in the secondary that can cover AJ Green. Uh, I, I'm just you know licking my chops thinking about him matching up with a Dory Jackson because I think that that is a matchup that AJ Green can crush. And I can go back to uh, a Dory Jackson watching his uh, you know his tape uh, against. Uh, Tim Patrick, who right now is a 49ers practice squad receiver, uh, is a big athletic receiver, was able to really eat, you know, a, a Dory Jackson's lunch in that game against the, that Utah game against USC. And A.J. Green is obviously a lot more skilled than this 49ers practice squad receiver. Um, and on the on the season, I mean, the Titans have given up the 12th most catches to opposing wide receivers and the third most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. And then we have the narrative that. You know, not only did Jalen Ramsey uh, call out A.J. Green as soft and question his manhood, but some media mem- media members have actually chimed in and said that they've heard that people around the league uh, think that A.J. Green is soft. And, so. and Jalen Ramsey, this was the, the dirt, not the dirtiest, but the coldest part of that conversation was Jalen Ramsey citing A.J. Green's teammates who talked to him after the game or during the game. Um, saying that, yeah, we knew that you were in AJ's head as soon as he started talking because he never talks. Like, ooh-wee, that's a yeah. whole And Jalen Ramsey also questioned his longevity Yep. in, in the NFL. He said, you know, your, your time's almost up, old man. And uh, so we're, we're going to see if his time's almost up this and weekend. I, it, I think he's going to respond positively. If we need any more points in the corner of A.J. Green, this is also an uncommon opponent for Andy Dalton. So maybe we'll Absolutely. see good Andy Dalton. That's hashtag Joe Goodberry for you. Uh, all right, Evan, let's go deep. We always go deep on this last name. Um, we aren't talking about the Eagle Selleck. We are talking about the 49ers, Garrett Selleck at tight end. Ooh, I'd never heard of this guy. Did, did you Did you make him up? <laughs> I, I was actually concerned that if the other Selleck was even still on the Eagles. Like, I, 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 it wouldn't have <laughs> surprised me if he is retired by now or not. So let's just start with the game. I think that the game is a little bit uh, another one of these bad team shootouts. And you can always get an advantage on your opponent in daily fantasy or season long in, in identifying – Uh, some of these bad team shootouts. And we've done a good job of this over the course of the year. Uh, Just last week, it was um, the the Colts against the Texans. Uh, The Colts against the 49ers uh, was one that hit real big. Colts against the Browns uh, was one that hit real big for Jacoby Brissett. I I should name the first thing. So both these teams play bad defense, but offensively, they also play very fast on offense. Football Outsiders has a great uh, chart and uh, of metrics that show 
uh, how long each team takes between plays to run their next offensive snap. The 49ers uh, play the fastest in the NFL, and the Giants play the sixth fastest in the NFL. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you play NBA Daily Fantasy. I, I do it sometimes. Uh, but, you know, it's like the, the Golden State Warriors playing like the Phoenix Suns. Got it. You know, that, that would be the equivalent. Uh, so the, the game, I think, is, is, not, is like underrated from a fantasy standpoint. I think it's going to end up taking some over money. I, I, I bet the over early in the week when it was 41 and a half. Um, and I think that uh, it, it will grow. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But the sneaky guy here is Garrett Selleck because George Kittle is not playing due to an ankle injury. Cole Hikutini mm-hmm. was placed on injured reserve with from a Louisville. knee injury from Louisville. Uh, he is out for the year. Uh, Logan Paulson is a blocker. So he is going to take over the old uh, the, the blocking tight end role. Yeah. So Garrett Selleck is going to be the receiving tight end for the 49ers this week against a Giants defense that has given up a touchdown to a tight end in nine straight games. That's a league record. Now, a statistic like that is much more like primed for negative regression than anything else. So we can't say that we would be surprised if Garrett Selleck did not score a touchdown <laughs> this week. But after he came off the bench last week for the 49ers, he ran 31 routes and he played 75% of the 49ers offensive Interesting. snaps. And that's a lot of usage. I mean, that is right where you want your tight end to be uh, in, in fantasy football. So we have issues now with Garrett Selleck, okay? Number one is that he's never been a productive player at the college or NFL level. He's been in the NFL since 2012. We're in 2017. This is year six. He's done pretty much nothing. He has hung around, and that means that he can play, you know, to some extent. Then you go back and look at his college production. He had 14 catches (laughs) in his Michigan State four-year career. Got it. Yep. So – it's, it's a Hail Mary, but, I, I mean, I'm in leagues that are deep enough that Garrett Selleck is a starter Yeah. this week. I mean, I'm starting him in, in two leagues. I play in 14 uh, season-long leagues, you know, and I think one of them is like a 16-teamer and the other one is the 14-teamer where I'm using him. But, you know, if you're struggling at tight end, I think you could do worse than Garrett Selleck. I there think that the opportunity is going to be there. And obviously people are always looking for GPP plays as well. And, you know, I mean, it would be a stunner if Garrett Salick was over 1% owned in those. Um, All right, Evan. Thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate it. You can check out Evan's matchups column to read more about Garrett Salick if you want to, because I don't know if we covered him enough. Um, And right after this break, we have Roto Pat with pick on Pat. See you. And welcome back to the Roto World Football Podcast here with Roto Pat, where I get to pick on his rankings. You can check them out over at rotoworld.com. This is all in good fun. Pat and I mostly like each other. I would say, like, I like 95% of Pat. I'm not sure what the percentage is for me. Um, I want 94.2. Oh, well, that sucks. Uh, all right, Pat. I, so that means I have a 0.8% upper hand on Pat, you. let's just say this is not the first time where I like someone more than they like me. Um, 
So we always start off with a question because all of you want to get to know Pat just as much as I know him. I mean, I know everything there is to know about Patrick Darty. You were in my wedding. <laughs> I was there for the birth of, of Roto Patricia. You were, yeah. Yes. I, uh, I, I, no, I was that was honestly kind of weird because you weren't invited. <laughs> no, I was just peeking through the curtain. Um, all right. This is, this is going weird. Going south. Uh, okay. Here it is, Pat. And I did not prepare you for this. Um, let's say like pre high school Patrick. Okay. What was pre high school Patrick's greatest achievement in life? Man, they were all like inside my head, like, uh, making up like fake athlete careers, um, making up like fake band discographies, making up, making up like fake movie studios. I used to have these notebooks, full of like uh i was like obsessed with sports i was obsessed with me i was obsessed with like how things were quantified i was obsessed with like sports stats i was obsessed with like uh like the billboard charts i was obsessed with like the movie charts mm-hmm. and like i would like make i would like those my biggest achievement was like making up all these fake elaborate uh things like uh, a little bit not really actually um i have one embarrassing collection that i would Yep. Kind of a Share it. to admit. Um, it's, it's 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 a weird, embarrassing collection. It just Do shouldn't it. actually be embarrassing. But I collect uh, CDs. I'm the only person in America That's, who how does is that this. embarrassing. Because like no one buys CDs anymore. But like so, I do always you have had, like those big like zip books that like have the little slots for them and stuff like that back so, in the day i did but now yeah. it's all about like actually displaying the cds you know everyone loves to collect vinyl now but i had like so many cds oh, and i wanted display to display them i have them like on a bookshelf yeah like just with like the spine of them showing yeah just the spine um what did your wife think of this um she's never said anything about it to be frank um she can, keeps can her your homework she be keeps to her, ask her what she thinks of your CD collection. She keeps her abject <laughs> horror to herself. Uh, because I would love to know. Maybe we can get her on at some point, and I can ask her these questions. I don't know what my actual biggest accomplishment was. I didn't really accomplish a whole lot. I th- I got like uh, fourth or fifth in the high jump. Uh-huh. And, uh Like some eighth grade. Track you are meet. surprisingly tall. <laughs> I'm not actually tall. I mean, you, I'm like five ten. But five, I, nine, I always think of you ten. as a shorter person. I I'd have got this reputation. The yeah. the first thing Evan Silva ever said uh, to me when he met me in person, I'm not kidding, was he goes, "You're taller than I was expecting," See? and I was like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> I apparently come across as like a five foot two person. Yeah, no offense. I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of people exactly. like that in the football world. So, um, all right, we should probably get to some football. Uh, once again, Pat's rankings are over on rotoworld.com let's get to a few you have ben roethlisberger as the quarterback six the last time i checked the rankings which are updated all the time um however ben roethlisberger i know he's facing the indianapolis colts i know this is a dream matchup but this has been roethlisberger who is quarterback 24 in the season averages something like 13 fantasy points why are we should we be excited about ben roethlisberger other than the matchup pat he's been bad josh um, there's no question about it. Uh, this is, you know, a guy who used to be like Mr. Spiked week hasn't had a three touchdown game yet. He's had only two touchdown games. Um, but you know, he went into his bye uh, with probably arguably his best start of the year, even though he only had one touchdown and it's true that it was goosed by a 97 yard touchdown from Juju Smith Schuster. But I actually think that was like kind of a good development for him 
Uh, I mean, obviously, it's good that Juju Smith-Schuster is starting to perform. I think it was good for him because I think something you – know, people always think of Ben Roethlisberger as this guy who has all these weapons, and he has arguably the two best weapons in the NFL – but behind that, you know, they've kind of lacked that third guy all year. And the Steelers' offense, despite relying so much on Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, have always been an offense that were kind of like three or four weapons deep. And they just haven't had that this year. And so with Juju Smith-Schuster kind of maybe finally emerging as that guy, I think that improves Ben's fortunes. Uh, you know, play was slowly picking up for the bye. Now he's had a bye, comes out of the bye with the best matchup he's going to get all year. I mean, the Colts are basically starting 11 potted plants on defense. Um, so I just think things are trending in the right direction for Ben and that his best 2017 football is ahead of him. I am starting Ben in a few leagues, but – I'm telling you what I'm most worried about is the Steelers having an early lead. Like maybe he throws a touchdown pass and they just hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell 35 times. This is the Steelers. You know, they don't seem to ever put teams away early. You know, they'll play down to their competition. This is very scientific analysis here. They're going to play down to their competition and game flow will remain in passing game favor. So don't worry about that. Okay. You also have Dion Lewis as running back 26. There are a few reasons why I want to ask you about this. For one, we just saw the Philadelphia Eagles run all over the Denver Broncos, even though Denver had the best run defense in the league at the time. But two, I mean, there are four New England running backs like in your rankings, okay? You have Deion Lewis as running back, 26. You have James White as running back, 36. You have Rex Burkhead as running back, 45. And you have Mike Gillisley as running back, 48. My question to you is why Deion Lewis ahead of all the others? Well, you got to remember when you have four four guys ranked, I mean, clearly probably at least one or two of those guys will severely underperform mm-hmm. that rank. I but agree. it's just like these are the highest odds. You know, to me, I feel like, you know, Rex Burkhead, that's just, you know, where he belongs. And maybe he won't get that. But to me, it's just like the most logical outcome or whatever. So that's kind of how you justify it. I mean, I didn't explain that very well. I think maybe people will understand what I'm trying to say there. Uh, with Deion Lewis, I mean, you know, he – to me, you know, especially coming off a of bye, it's hard to trust Bill Belichick's running back usage. But Deion Lewis had been the guy on early downs for the bye in the three games for the bye. He was averaging 13 carries for 57 yards. And some of that was with Rex Burkhead back in the lineup even. And I just think they seem, you know, they didn't seem comfortable with Mike Gillisley in that role. They do seem comfortable uh, with Deion Lewis in that role right now, you know, maybe Rex Burkhead, especially after getting the bye to heal up, it gets a bigger role now that he's further removed from his rib injury. But I just, Deion Lewis has been that guy and what's probably still the best offense in the NFL. And, you know, this might be a bit of a take that I, I kind of wanted to tweet it earlier, but I didn't tweet it. Or what are the odds that Mike Gillisley is a healthy scratch this week? I feel like maybe hmm. that could happen. Um, I have a hot take for you as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rex Burkhead in a number of receiving snaps because of Chris Hogan's injury. Yeah, I, anything's possible in this offense this week. You know, they have Martellus Bennett even, who might not be active because he's been battling a shoulder injury, but never an easy offense to project because of so many faces and they're so kind of week to week uh, with their game plans. But it does seem especially difficult this week. But for whatever reason, I feel strangely fine about Deion Lewis as RB26. So uh, don't sue me, Semi Sonic, by the way, for anyone 
uh, Born in the 70s or 80s, Feeling Strangely Fine was the name of a semi-sonic album. Was that just one of those like summer hits of the 80s and 70s that people liked? I, you, I feel like you, you, know, you know Closing. You know the song Closing. Yes, time, I do. Right? Yeah, that's semi-sonic. Got it. Um, oh, that's the song where you're like, you make up your own lyrics because you can't remember what the actual ones are. I mean, they're pretty easy to remember. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> Maybe in your fantasy world of your discographies and catalogs of CDs. Uh, okay, you also have Stefan Diggs as wide receiver 13. I tweeted about Stefan Diggs this week because he hasn't done anything since week three. But two of those first three weeks, I believe, were fantastic. Yet he's been injured. There was a bye week. Right before the bye, he had, I think, six targets and four catches. Blah, blah, blah. Playing with Case Keaton. But you have him, again, as wide receiver 13. So that's like on the cusp of top 12 scoring talent at the position. I love Stefan Diggs. I think if he was healthy, then he would be viewed as one of the, not top receivers in the league, but a very, very good one. Yet, each time he gets to that point, kind of trails off. So why are we expecting a good performance this week? I thought about texting you back about this one and be like, Nick's that one. Nope. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in I the always mood find defend. those for you, Pat. <laughs> I don't want to defend the Stefan Diggs one. But I mean, okay. Uh, three of the first four games of the year when he was healthy, he had 90 yards. He's very two good. Of those, two of those games, he scored two touchdowns twice. And with Diggs, you know, it's all about the health, not just missing games, but he has a track record, you know, playing at less than 100% and, you know, not playing well. But he looked reasonably healthy before the bye. He's had a bye to heal up. It should be as healthy as he's been since the injury. Um, it's not an amazing matchup in the Redskins, and you will have to deal with Josh Norman and Bashad Breeland. But I just think his upside is – I just think he's too good of a player to really have any lower, and especially – it's just a screwed up landscape for receiver. I mean, the guys right behind him are Demarius Thomas with Brock Osweiler, T.Y. Hilton, who I believe we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, Robbie Anderson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, Deshaun Jackson, Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald, Jarvis Landry. It's like, which of these guys do you put ahead of Stefan Diggs? And I just, I feel comfortable with him. I don't feel comfortable with him there, but I have him there just because you know he's... When he's healthy, he basically never doesn't produce, and I'm going to gamble that he's healthy this week. Yeah, I mean, it says something when we think that Case Keenum, what we can get from him is kind of safe compared to the other quarterbacks associated (laughs) with wide receivers here. Maybe, you know, Teddy in the second half this week will really spark Stephon Diggs. Don't get me started. Uh, (laughs) All right, then, as you mentioned, we have to talk about T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, who posted... Five catches, 175 yards, and two touchdowns last week, including playing dead on the field in order to get another long score. However, Pat, he's had two other games that were fantastic, right? 153-yard and touchdown performance in Week 3. Uh, 177-yard performance against San Francisco in Week 5. Other than that, though, he's been absolutely awful. Really, really bad. So if I'm looking at your rankings, and if I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, you know, with a child, with a wife, stuff like that... Uh, <laughs> To me, you are just, you have FOMO here, right? You have the fear of missing out on another big time week because more often than not, T.Y. Hilton does absolutely nothing, yet you have him as wide receiver 15. Gotta play the odds, Josh, and the upside is just too high, especially at home. Uh, 33% of his appearances this year he has 150 yards and you know it's not a great matchup on the Steelers one of the league's best pass defenses but they did just allow before the bye three separate Lions to I think get all the way up to 86 yards Hmm. even TJ Jones had 86 yards against the Steelers so it's not like it's like completely impenetrable defense and T.Y. Hilton you know 
he's got the kind of skill set where the matchup doesn't really matter for him. I mean, I mean it does, but I'm like he's got the no, speed. No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, if, if he has someone who's capable of throwing the football, I would say it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. He's got the speed you know, to burn anyone in the league, and he he, he seemed to be really on the same page uh, with Jacoby Brissett last week. His first touchdown was like all but like perfect timing, basically on a play action route, and you know I just you know clearly like you said uh, there are pretty decent chance that he's going to have you know, like a four catch thirty yard game, but right. when one out of every three games you have one hundred and fifty fifty yards, it's just the the upside is just it's too high, and I think. The floor has been kind of flukily low. I think as he's getting more and more comfortable with Jacoby Brissett, the floor will come up. And more often than not, he's probably going to be in the top 12. But I think 15 what, is kind of an appropriate hedge for him. I'm, I'm just seeing this. What's crazy is the Steelers have lost every game where he's been like incredibly average. And it makes sense, right? But then when the games he absolutely blows up, those three that I mentioned, those are their three wins on the year. There you go. You heard it here first. That's how the Colts will upset the Steelers. Josh guarantees 150-yard game for T.Y. Hilton. It's it's the only way they can win. Um, all right, Pat. Thank you very much. Hopefully, you do not hate me like Jerry Jones hates Arthur Blank, and we're good. Um, yeah, I need to look into that. Uh. <laughs> well, by this time, when the podcast comes out tomorrow, everyone will know. So the joke will be old. Uh, but that's what I do. I deliver bad jokes. But you can check out Pat's rankings over at Roto World. You can also check out Pat on Roto World Live, which is on Sundays, noon Eastern. We're here to help you set your optimal lineup. So if you enjoyed the podcast, consider subscribing. And hey, even reviewing helps us out too. Talk to you all next time. See ya. longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash.